Within this section of Bhagavatam is described the generation of different elements of the material creation and um, Within this series of verses is mentioned air as one of those basic elements. Uh, in Vedic science, the term element is not, does not exactly correspond to that of modern science. In Vedic science, uh, the uh, basic gross elements are earth, water, fire, air, and ether. And anything which is uh, mostly solid is understood to be mostly composed of the earth element. Anything which is uh, mostly liquid is understood to be possessed of the uh, water element, and so on. Now, um, here it's mentioned that disturbance of air within the body causes disease. It's understood that physical bodies, uh, organic bodies, are made up of earth, water, fire, air, and ether. So, apart from the air in the lungs... uh, Vedic science de- describes that apart from the air in the lungs, there is air in a subtle form throughout the body. There are different kinds of air as described in the Vedic literature. Uh, pran means the, which is the term which is used here, means the air of life, the life air. There are other airs also. That air takes other forms, the, the air which helps digestion. Therefore, it's recommended when eating to fill the stomach 50% with food, 25% with water, and leave 25% space for air, which is also required for digestion. There's also the air, apanuvayu, which carries the stool downwards, and it ejects it through the anus and which sometimes comes out of the anus carrying foul smell. There's another... Uh, yeah, that air in the stomach for digestion that sometimes comes up and is manifested as what is called in English a burp. Now, um, according to Ayurveda, the Vedic science of life, there are uh, three basic elements which, 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 if in balance, the body is healthy, and if not, there is a dosh or a fault. <coughs> Kaf, pitta, vayu. Kaf means mucus. Kappa Kappa, yeah, okay. <laughs> Kappa is okay, yeah, that's more like Sanskrit. I said it in Bengali. <laughs> yeah, Kappa, which is uh, mucus. Pitta, which is bile, which is... In, in, it's like the fiery element. And vayu, air. Vayu is a generic term for air. And then there are different classifications within that. Prana, apana, samana, ityadi, and so on. Mm. Now, generally it is examined that someone has vayu dosh. For instance, if someone has vayu dosh, disturbance of the airs, as Prabhupada mentions here, a, uh, a common manifestation of vayu dosh is mental disease, 
that may also take many forms, such as rheumatism, constipation, headache. Um, that there is, yeah, yeah. Just like if you have pain in the joints, uh, that's understood by Ayurveda. That means that there's um, disturb. There's excess air built up there. Sometimes you. What's that? That means there's air in the joint that's being released. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, how could the sound come? There's no sound without air. No sound in a vacuum. Once uh, in Malaysia, I had very stiff and painful knee. Couldn't move it at all. So uh, some devotees recommended me to go to a reputed uh, acupuncturist. In Malaysia, a large percent of the population are Chinese and they they mostly uh, subscribe to the traditional forms of medicine. So this knee had been stiff and painful for several days. I couldn't bend it at all. So I went to the acupuncturist and he put a needle in the knee and then within a minute or so all the pain was gone and I could move it. It was, it was, the, it was a hollow needle and it was like he was popping a balloon and letting the air out. <laughs> so this, uh, I'm just citing this to show how, as is widely accepted in the modern age, the, that in ancient science there was also advanced knowledge. This description of the creation appears to have no relationship to that which is described by modern science. The reason for that is that it doesn't have any relation to the description of modern science. Sometimes devotees and scientifically-minded Hindus, they try to show how the Vedic knowledge um, corresponds with that given by modern science. And that can be done to some extent. But that, for instance, um, the universes are generated from Mahavishnu, who then uh, fills up each universe with half water, enters into each one and lies down on it as Garbhadakshai Vishnu. Uh, this will never be discovered by modern scientists, nor will it ever be accepted by them. There is an ongoing point of discussion over Srila Prabhupada's oft-quoted statements that the moon is further away from the earth than the sun, <laughs> and that the so-called astronauts couldn't have gone to the moon because it's such a long way away and they don't have any machine to go so quickly. They said they went in four days. And there is there have been some attempts to state that actually the moon is further away from the plane of Bhumandal, but actually it's very close to the earth planet. However, Prabhupada gave further reasons that they couldn't have gone to the moon. It's because it's a heavenly planet and you're not allowed to enter without permission without qualification. Prabhupada gave the example that you're not allowed to enter, for instance, America without a visa. So, similarly, the demigods have their visa system. <laughs> In the Ramayana and Mahabharata is the well-known story of Trishanku Maharaj, who desired to enter the heavenly planets without attaining the necessary qualification. And he being an upstart, for this purpose, enlisted the help of... Uh, what appeared to be like an upstart rishi, namely Vishwamitra. Mm-hmm. Know that word, upstart? Upstart. Pozoran. 
Więc tak to przetłumaczyć. No, że on był takim pozorantem, jedynie prosił o pomoc innego takiego pozoranta niższego. In someone who tries to come up to a higher position than he's worthy for. So instead, uh, he was pushed up by Vishwamitra, but then the demigods pushed him down and turned him into a chandala. <laughs> so not being allowed to enter, Vishwamitra started creating his own heaven and universe and everything. So a compromise was worked out by which Trishanku could remain in the halfway position, compromise. suspended in space. So there's an example of how you're not allowed to enter, even if you're a Vedic king unless you have the proper qualification. So Prabhupada, on the strength of the Vedic scriptures, stated that the moon is a, it's not simply a satellite of the earth, but it's a heavenly planet in its own right. Hmm, what is that? Rama aham ojasa pushnami sarva somo bhutarasatmakaha In Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says that he becomes the moon he is and is the source of uh, nourishment for all the vegetables for, for for the rasa in the vegetables so you grow vegetables here on this farm which vegetables carrots potatoes potatoes cabbage salad lettuce lettuce zucchini So they're very tasty. That taste is possible by the mercy of the moon, according to Lord Krishna Bhagavad Gita. By the moon rays, by the moon rays, the vegetables become nourished and succulent. So this is another point which is not likely to be accepted by modern science very soon. But Prabhupada made the point that if the if the moon is giving life to the vegetables, then how is it that they say there's no vegetables on the moon? There's only dust. Now there are 14 planetary systems and the heavenly planets are in a different sphere to those of the earthly planets. So, again, that, that uh, strongly suggests that according to Vedic understanding, the moon is not close to the earth. It's in a different planetary system. Now, why was Prabhupada stressing on this so much? Prabhupada very much wanted to establish the authority of the Vedic literature. And that the uh, Vedic literature is axiomatically correct. It must be correct because Vedenarayana Sakshat is directly manifested from Narayana. And the uh, speculations and lucubrations of the modern scientists axiomatically cannot give us complete knowledge. Lucubration, you have that word in Polish? It means... Uh, Apparently intelligent thought processes, similar to speculation, highly, highly pedantic, because they are subject to the four defects of conditioned souls: brahmapramad, vipralipsa, karana, patav. Illusion, they are illusioned, make mistakes, have the cheating propensity, and imperfect senses. So even though it may seem to them, and to people who have faith in them, that they know what they're talking about. They don't. It may seem to them and others who have faith in them that they know what they are talking about, but they don't. To some extent they may do. They can, for instance, make a cordless mic. 
But this doesn't mean that they have knowledge about the workings of the universe. They have a very strong cheating propensity of pretending that they know what's going on when actually they don't. In popular science books, we often find a description of the beginning of the universe according to pop scientists. Sometime, a very long time ago, as all good fairy stories begin, there was nothing. And then a singularity appeared within nothing. That's the first totally unscientific statement. Because if there's nothing, there's nothing. And then uh, how does this a singularity appear within it? Singularity means something one of a kind, unique. <laughs> so in the nothingness, there was all of a sudden some somethingness, and it was extremely small and extremely dense. Then it exploded by chance. And it was a big explosion. <laughs> it was called the Big Bang. And that was the beginning of the universe. And they go on to describe how it, it slowed down after some time. And so on and on and on. And they present it as science. This happened, that happened, this happened, that happened. Whereas it's, it's a total speculation. They have absolutely uh, no actual evidence. It's just the speculation. And there are dozens of different opinions among speculative scientists as to the nature of the Big Bang, and some of them don't believe in it at all. In another field of so-called scholarship, linguistics, we have the massive speculation accepted as fact that languages in India and Europe develop from a prototype Indo-European language, of which they have, again, the total evidence which they have for this, after years of speculating on it and studying it and writing PhDs, theses on it, the total evidence for the existence of this language is zilch, which means zero. It's just based on their flawed theories that human civilization arose in uh, somewhere, somewhere between uh, Kabul and Constantinople, and some of them migrated west and some went east. The, uh, the more advanced ones went west, of course, because we're from the west, right? So, uh, they don't have any evidence of that either. It's a, it's a speculation, built on a speculation, built on a speculation, built on a speculation, and they call it science. This is called cheating. This idiot, this idiot madman, Sigmund Freud, who's like supposed to be... The, the, Maybe the most influential person in the uh, in the shaping of people's thought in the modern age. He himself was insane, and as a result of his theories, uh, everyone in the modern age has become insane. He was a pervert who had some who had a strong sexual attraction towards his mother. So he presumed that every male in the human race also had that. So he came up with a very uh, intelligent or stupid, depending on how you want to accept it, a theory of why people believe in God. That What's that? Okay. So they believe in God the Father because previously early man used to go around in groups and the strongest man would dominate them all. And he would dominate all the women and enjoy them. And naturally, he would also have sons who feared their father because he was a kind of nasty guy. 
they also admired him and respected him. And uh, they got things from him. So in this way, this, uh, this looking up to with fear and respect mixed with some affection uh, became transferred to the idea of a uh, god. Of course, at the time of Freud, there was no genetic theory as such, but we could say that was transferred down through the genes, a, a belief in a, uh, in a god, the father, who is a kind of nasty guy who's nice sometimes, and uh, you just have to do what he says, otherwise he'll punish you severely. So his speculation is based on Darwin's speculation, which uh, is still the theory of evolution. Still a theory, no evidence. Since Darwin had his speculations, we never saw once any monkey giving birth to a genetically mutated monkey looking something like a human being. Nor did we see any humans giving birth to uh, human beings that looked genetically mutated human beings that look like monkeys. According to uh, evolutionary theory, there has to be a whole series of genetic mutations to go from uh, monkeys to humans. But it's just a complete speculation. Another thing about Freud's theory of the existence, why, we, why human beings imagine God is it only fits the description of the Christian concept of God. It, it doesn't, that's only what's within his experience, but he did, it, his psychological theory of belief in God doesn't fit Krishna. Krishna's do, job description is different to that of the Christian God. <laughs> so, uh, Prabhupada unabashedly presented the means without any hesitation or fear or shame presented the Vedic knowledge of the Vedic scientific knowledge of the universe and said that the scientists must be wrong. As much as their theories don't fit that of Srimad Bhagavatam, then they must be wrong. So how are we to know? It's a matter of faith. You can believe the scientists or you can believe the Acharyas. We don't know. How can we know? We can't even know who we were born from. We generally take it for granted that it's our mother, but uh, if the parents die young or they abandon their child, the child may not know who their mother or father is. Prabhupada gave the example that if a child wants, a child wants to know who his father is, he can ask the mother, and hopefully she will know. You just have to accept it on her authority. Otherwise, what's the alternative? You, you go through the whole of human society doing a, a blood... Uh, uh, what's that called? A, Anyway, some kind of test on every male, DNA test. So, many things we have to accept on faith. Most people accept on faith what the scientists say about the uh, origin of the universe and of the species is correct. But followers of the Vedic literature don't accept any man-made theories as correct. And we may say, well, we accept the scientists because we see they do things that work. They make cordless microphones, for instance. Again, their ability to make some little mechanical gadget doesn't give them the right to talk about the origin of the universe, which is far beyond their scope of understanding. But then again, uh, the Vedic knowledge also works. It's, It's practically demonstrated in 
human life. The Ayurvedic medicine system works. And more importantly, the Vedic process of self-purification works. Modern academics have no idea or, or no interest in the process of self-purification. But the Vedic literature gives us knowledge of processes by which we can become free from mundane lust, anger, greed, illusion, and so on. So it is seen to be practically effective in life. If one takes to this process, he becomes purified. If one strictly follows the directions, one has to follow the directions exactly as they are given. Just like if you take one sleeping pill, it may give the desired result of putting you to sleep when you have a mind that is too agitated to otherwise sleep. Hmm. If you take a whole bottle of sleeping pills or if you take it with alcohol, then you may die. So one has to follow the uh, injunctions for self-purification. Sometimes devotees say, well, you know, I followed for so many years and it didn't have that much effect. But one has to follow exactly and one has to keep on following. Just like in Ayurveda, it's a different concept of medical treatment altogether from that of modern science. In modern science, there is symptomatic treatment. They treat the symptoms. Whereas in Ayurveda, the cause of the disease is treated. So if, for instance, someone, someone has a headache and it's diagnosed to being due to disturbance of air, then the treatment will be given to rectify the disturbance of air. Whereas if one goes to a regular doctor, they may give an aspirin, which may give immediate symptomatic relief. So one may think, well, the, uh, the modern medicine system is better, it works quickly. But because it only treats the symptom, then the symptom is going to come back. Or if it completely suppresses the symptom, then the disease will manifest in another way, as another kind of illness. So in the same way, the, uh, the Vedic system of uh, self-purification deals with the uh, root cause of the problem. Someone may feel depressed or he may be hyperactive or whatever and may go to a psychiatrist for treatment. So in psychiatry they try to find out uh, one of the uh, they, they try to find out the cause and then they try to uh, rectify. Often they say because of suppressed urges or because of some trauma one experienced in one's childhood, therefore one is suffering mental disturbance now. That may be, but even deeper, far deeper than the psychiatrist can imagine, the root cause of all disturbances is forgetfulness of Krishna. The Srila Prabhupada presented this Vedic knowledge as the actual panacea for all ills within each individual and for the whole of human society. And he trashed the uh, modern system of trying to find knowledge as being totally inadequate. Inadequate and uh, subject to be wholly mistaken. Just like at one time uh, people thought that if you sail too far west, you'd, you'd sail off the edge of the earth because it's flat. Christopher Columbus, among others, faced uh, mutiny 
from his sailors. They, were, they didn't want to go any further west. They were afraid. We don't know where we're going. Any moment we could just fall off the edge. If we hear that now, we laugh. We think, well, that's really stupid. How could they be so stupid? But at the time, they thought that, well, we're very learned and enlightened. We are at the summit of human knowledge, apex, highest point, pinnacle, zenith. Ah, you got it. Okay. So, uh, in the same way, it's uh, quite likely that in future people will look back at the, at the great scientists of the 21st century and laugh. <laughs> they really believe that we descended from monkeys. How stupid. Well, you can laugh now if you want. Join Srila Prabhupada in laughing and crying that the whole human society is so much misled by this wrong propaganda. <coughs> by which people by which people think that we're just we are just products of matter and when the body is finished everything is finished there's no life after death there's no god god is just some psychological crutch they say is there a psychological crutch crutch something a, a crippled man leans on does the example translate into polish okay yes I psychological don't. crutch yeah for a crippled man. And therefore, uh, people, what else is there left but lust? They have no higher aspiration in life. They think that when, when we die, everything is finished. So then the purpose of life just be, means to have sex as much as possible. What else is there to do? <laughs> Nothing to think about, no higher thought. Just live like pigs. Pig is dedicated to eat, sleep, drink, be merry and enjoy, for tomorrow we shall all be dead. So for all its so-called advancement in knowledge, the, the actual result is that people are in pig consciousness. And for all its intellectual complexity, uh, the... Uh, what's the word? The paradigms of modern science... Uh, lead us to this piggish way of life. For all its intellectual complexity, the paradigms of modern science lead us to piggish life. Sorry. I used to speak more simply. I've been writing about Bhaktisdan Saraswati for the last few years. <laughs> Something happened to my simple English. Actually, what I'm saying is not that difficult English. It's just that most people who have English as a second language, they just have a very basic vocabulary. If you just go a little bit beyond that, everyone gets... Too much, little too much, too much is a Polish-English word, huh? Too much. It's, it's a Polish-English word. Too much. <laughs> it's an actual Polish... Translator. Translator. Translator is too much. You're too much. <laughs> So like that, in, uh, like we have these interfaith meetings and you say, yes, we believe in God. God is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. Got all those words? Omnipotent means all-powerful. Omniscient means all-knowing. And omnipresent means present everywhere. So everyone will agree, yes, 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 yes. But once we introduce concepts like adhokshaja, then they're lost. So uh, this knowledge is required, both that the Prabhupada is presenting in his books, is required for all of human society. 
which is uh, either atheistic or theistic at such a low level as to be hardly considered theistic at all. Kto jest albo zupełnie ateistyczny, albo, ateist, albo ateistyczny na tak niskim poziomie, że można bezpiecznie założyć, że jest ateistyczny. Translator is getting the, the too much is getting old. It's getting too much for the too much. Brain overload. Out of practice. Yeah, okay. All right. So on that note I can just ask to please distribute these books, spread this knowledge. It's required for human society. Devotees should become knowledgeable in this actual knowledge and distribute that knowledge to others. So with apologies for disturbing the Prema Bhakti of, of, of Prema Bhakti Pradeep Prabhu by overloading him with difficult words, I'll finish this lecture here. <laughs> All right. Any question, as Prabhupada used to say? <laughs> Scottish pronunciation that he picked up from school, Scottish churches, colleges. Question, what was the lecture about? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was about Krishna, but indirectly. <laughs> there was no dancing with the gopis in this one. In some lectures, yes, but not in this one. <laughs> this one was more about kicking Freud et al. in the face, which is a prerequisite for entering Rasalila. So, what's your question? So, why the scientists uh, have problems with accepting Vedic knowledge, uh, having so many uh, examples that the Vedic philosophy works? Do you have Bhagavad Gita as it is here in yes. Polish? Well, you can just find out the verse Namang Dushkutino Murha. Yeah, you give it to me. Namang Dushkutino Murha. Okay, here we have it. Um, Oops, no. Thought I had it, didn't have it. Where is it? Does anyone know the number? Oh, this is... Yeah, I always get mixed up between seven. Okay, so uh, please... You can uh, start reading the, from the purport, the beginning. Uh, Re- you can read the uh, first two paragraphs. Okay. Is the answer to the question, why scientists don't accept the Vedic version even though it's so well presented? So, that's your question, right? Yes. Okay, now comes the answer. Okay, there's your answer. What do you mean? You want a, you want a, uh, a detailed description of how it works? For that, you would have to study Ayurveda. I haven't. But you can. Uh, it's that within which the uh, 
the 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 subtle body is held and is able to uh, interact with and give life to the gross body which is by nature lifeless at the time of death the soul leaves through one of the holes of the body so um at that time it's carried by the pran so the uh when the pran leaves the body, then it's said to be dead. Therefore, it's called the air of life. It carries the soul. That's why the word pran is often used for life itself, because it's, it's almost synonymous with it. Yeah. Uh, it is said that the soul resides uh, around the heart. And uh, what about uh, uh, plants or trees? Mm. Where? Well, it's, it's stated in... Um, Srimad Bhagavad Gita, Hridesh, the soul is Ishvara Sarvabhutanam Hridesh Erjunatishtiti. The Supreme Lord resides in the region of the heart. Elsewhere in the Shastra it said that he resides side by side with the soul. So it's understood the soul resides in the region of the heart. So uh, that can be understood. It's, it's, not like, it's not exactly the physical heart, but the, that region from which the uh, source of life of the organic entity is generated. So that may be different for plants or, or uh, insects that don't have hearts and so on. There is actually a, a huge amount of research to be done into many facets of Shastric understanding to uh, the, the schools of Vedic science are, to, to a large extent, lost. Ayurveda is a living science, but uh, still much of the ancient sciences is lost. There are other Vedic sciences which are living. Stapatya, of which Vastu Shastra forms a part, is, that's still a living science. There are still some people, some pundits, who uh, understand Vedic cosmology. So there's, there's a lot of work to do in reviving, preserving re and reviving the Vedic sciences for the benefit of human society. Yes. Hare Krishna. We'll finish there. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Shriman Pagavatam Ki Jai Hare Krishna Jai